I guess we can get started chatting because we're already chatting. Yeah, as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I really have to thank you for helping out with the community in so many ways, John. You, you've been really valuable. I think the first time I met you was uh, out in the yurt in uh, Woodland Park there, where you were doing the didgeridoo uh, for one of the meditations by by Jim Hagen's there, and I was just blown away. I'd never experienced anything like that, and it was like it, it was. It was like my body was sort of being forced into alignment by the sound energies or something. Right. So we so we had to do the some sound healing for us at the Ascension Summit of 2021, which people absolutely loved. That was really wonderful. And you've been doing a lot of sound healing events here in Colorado Springs for for how long have you been doing this kind of thing? Well, oh God, sound healing. I probably started. Um, I guess it was 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, when I actually first started doing was just didgeridoo and it was with a friend and we called ourselves, uh, sounds from the wood, you know, cause our didgeridoos are wood and, um, and we did just didgeridoo journeys. And then we had someone else come in who played flute, put crystal bowls and a shruti box. And, um, and I can show the people what a shruti box looks like. A lot of people don't know what that is. And I'll do that. Excuse me in a minute. Um, but, you know, we played for a few months together and then we were supposed to record mm-hmm. and the person quit and he played the flute and I picked up, I had a flute that I bought, but I never played it. <laughs> it looked good. You know, it sat on a mantelpiece and uh, I, I always collected instruments, mm-hmm. but I never could play any of them. So I taught myself in two weeks to play the flute and got on the CD. And from that point on, we started adding the flutes and the didgeridoo and everything else. And, uh, and unfortunately one of my friends, he he couldn't, he has COPD and a a few other ailments that he had that he couldn't do the breath with the didgeridoo. So he had to drop out. So I just started doing it solo and I would do that on the road. You know, I'd go to Denver a lot in uh, retirement communities with the sacred sound. And, um, I would also do drum circles for the seniors and, seniors <laughs> um but that's that's more or less how i i got into the the sound um it, it was just an amazing journey do you want to know the story yeah i want to know the whole story all right the know, whole the whole story i, I, I want to start with um you know were you living a, a conventional kind of life where you felt like you know you hadn't broken out of the the box yet out of the matrix where you're working regular jobs or had you always kind of had a a feeling for the mystical. Oh, uh, yeah. My my parents even recognized it before I did. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was really little, they literally bought me the book from Time Life into the Unknown. Mm-hmm. And my brothers, they didn't get them that type of books. They didn't get them all these esoteric type things. But my parents got me that. And I was raised strict Catholic, you know. Um, and that's not something that would normally fly. Um, but, I, I mean, I always was a very spiritual person. You know, even as a little kid, I always felt a connection with something, you know, beyond uh, what we're seeing here. It, it was just something that really I've always felt, you know, even as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. 
but uh you know coming into the psychic stuff that i do uh that i didn't realize i had any of that ability until i was had a vision of an assassination attempt on the pope when i was i think around 18 or 19 and uh that really shifted then i realized that my uncle when he passed i was around 12 years old and he lived in um, bermuda came to me and said goodbye i woke up in bed and and i was like no and i got up and walked into my parents bedroom where the phone was and as soon as my hand reached for the phone it rang and it was an english woman who was my uncle's caretaker it's really he's my great uncle and i was very close to him and she said he passed away she found him that morning and he he, he passed you know he said goodbye to me oh. and then uh, i was like wow and other incidences so so the one with the pope that you mentioned was that a prophetic thing that happened like within a few hours or day, the days or um well i was able to avert the assassination attempt oh, i see yeah um i was actually visiting my brother in manhattan kansas he was going to kansas state for his masters and i, I was sleeping on his couch but i had a really odd feeling all weekend long i just felt off and and you know, and I didn't understand it at all. And what, what happened was that weekend, Harry Chapin, the musician, he passed away on the Long Island Expressway. And that's where I'm from, Long Island. And uh, then the Hyatt, I think it was the Hyatt Regency Twin Towers, like in Kansas City, they had a sky bridge and it collapsed and a, bun a whole bunch of people were killed. And, and then I had the vision. Wow. I mean, it was like this whole... <sighs> type of energy i was so like out of sorts it's not like the dream a dream it's more like no, a waking I, vision oh i had no i was sleeping when the, the vision happened and it was it was as clear as we are right here i see and i i literally got the type of car i still remember the type it was a white peugeot um i had the license plate number i there were five terrorists arab terrorists i had the clothing descriptions the street sign i knew it was um, in Portugal, it had cobblestone streets and stuff like that, but I knew it was Portugal. I had some serial numbers from weapons. I mean, it was it was vivid, is and and I was afraid to. I was going to forget it, but it was like burned into my brain um, because I had just started previously a couple weeks before listening to a radio show um, on a station in New York where they had a psychic medium on one time and he's the most tested psychic. His name's George Anderson. You can look him up. And he uh, was being tested by a priest and a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a parapsychologist, a physicist, um, you know, regular MDs hooked him up with all the wires and everything. And um, the priest on the air said, I believe he's the real deal. And this head priest was the head of diocesan television in New York on Long Island. And I was like, that's who I have to tell. I have to tell the psychic guy because he knows the priest and he can tell the priest. Huh. And I kind of, I got home and I called up the radio station to find out when he was going to be on next. And it was three months later. I was afraid I was going to forget, but it, I never forgot. And I was able to wangle my way into the studio as a, uh, a studio audience person because uh -huh. <laughs> i didn't want to tell him because i i would have probably been rejected right away uh -huh. um i mean i was 18 or whatever but i looked like i was 12. Uh -huh. many no no one took me seriously uh -huh. so i was able to actually uh, corner the psychic um on a break i wouldn't let him pass me and he was getting really agitated with me and i just spit out what happened and he just stopped dead and mouth dropped open he goes 
I had exactly the same one. Wow. And he says, I, you know, I said, you got to tell Father Tom. And he goes, I already did. He said, there was nothing that can be done um, unless there's verification. And he looked at me and he pointed, he goes, you're the verification. <laughs> and the two weeks later on, on the news broadcast, they said, Pope John Paul II has canceled part of his world you know, tour wow. and he is skipping Portugal. So they must have already had intelligence about that to, to, to take that into account. Fascinating. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, that's how I really started getting involved into the metaphysical world. And um, the music didn't start until many years later. I had no musical abilities, but that he tested, he traded and trained me uh, for like six years and how to listen and how to feel. And, you know, wow. so I, I, I was mentored by him for quite a long time. It's yeah, amazing. He's a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did he, did he, was he a part of your breaking down some programming around the issue too? Um, well, he was really strict Catholic and he's still a very strict Catholic. And he, he was actually, when he was in high school, they sent him to a mental hospital because he was seeing spirits and, hmm. and talking to spirits, you know, because hmm. sometimes I guess he couldn't tell whether or not they were real people or not, because some of them were that clear. Yeah. And, uh, um, he, actually went to a psychic by, I think, I don't remember what the exact story was. Maybe it was an aunt took him or something like that. And the, the psychic told him, I said, no, you're, you, you've got an incredible gift. And, and then started working with him. That's how he, you know, got out past it. Um, it, it, uh, you know, it, it felt like a natural progression for myself in so many ways. And, you know, I, what he taught me was how to listen, mm -hmm. you know, when, and, and not let the mind interfere and say, that's not logical. That's, you know, crazy. Uh, even though my mind would say that it wouldn't stop me from say, bringing information forward, trusting the data. Trust. Yeah. And I, and I still, that day, you know, sometimes I just shake my head and go, oh, this is all crap. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my mind, you know, that type of thing. But that other little voice inside saying, tell them, or no, this is, this is accurate. Yeah. And then, and I just give it and it turns out that, you know, I get the feedback. Oh my God, I can't believe you got that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. For, for me, it felt like I, my logical mind was overriding my intuition for yes. my entire childhood up until I was maybe 21 years old. And I started awakening to the idea that this is a real thing that there are, you know, intuitive pieces of data that my, my brain shouldn't normally be able to know, but if I just open to it, it's a wisdom beyond what I would normally be able to yeah. think I could have. Yeah. yeah. And now it's, it's, it, it walks side by side with me now. Cause like when I'm in like a men's group or something or, or just a group of people. Um, and I, I plan on just being quiet and just listening. And then all of a sudden this information is right there and present and I'm getting urged. No, you want to, you don't want to speak, but you need to speak. Um, this is important. Yeah. And so, you know, when we trust ourselves, the wisdom comes out. Do you think that that is collaboration with angelic realms or the higher self or something? Well, like I that? think it's all of the above. I, I don't think it's limited to just higher self or angelic realm. Um, I, I, I mean, it could be, for instance, you know, some relatives who've passed over, friends who've passed over, or, mm -hmm. um, I've had people in readings that, uh, 
it was like five generations away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were acting like a guardian angel mm-hmm. in a sense. Uh, you know, when they did research, because I used to get names a lot. I don't get them so much anymore. Uh, and I'd spit the name and it, it no, no, no. And someone, I say, well, just go see if anybody knows the family tree. And all of a sudden, boom, there's that name. And huh. and then the description, Wow, you know, fits. Nice. So, and we all have it. Yeah, I've I've heard so many people. This maybe is a tangent, but I feel like people have a, a lot of hangups around it from their own programming that this could be a demon trying to pretend yes. to be a person. But I assume that you can know them by their fruits to a certain degree, and the healing that comes from it must be some way of evaluating this is really those sources. Well, yeah, and you, that is the biggest dilemma that's that's out there. There's a lot of misinformation, but at the same time, I mean, there are, you know, like. If you're going into the biblical thing, you know, where the person seems to be very good in everything else and they're just trying to lure you in. Mm -hmm. And it's always good to be very skeptical, to keep the skepticism there. Um, I I can feel the energy. And if something just just doesn't feel right, you know, the words sound really good, but it doesn't feel right. I I don't follow that, you know. But of my logical mind trying to filter it, Michael, that's great information. And, I, and, and it might be, and you might use that information, but you're not going to necessarily trust the source of that information. Right. Because I always believe that no matter what anybody says or whatever information that is put out there, there's at least 1% truth in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I look for that 1% truth. Well... I, I, maybe we could skip, skip ahead a little bit. And so you, when we, when you attended our ET uh, disclosure meeting that you had some amazing stories there too. And I'm wondering how much that played into your overall awakening process too. Well, you know, that, that kind of made me expand more because I, I, um, I never really thought much of it, but I had experiences even from a young age, a 12 year old and seeing a, a cigar shaped thing come over the house and people, Oh, it was just a blimp. I was like, Christ, I'm from New York. I, I've seen blimps, uh-huh. you know, the Goodyear blimp all the time, you know, Fuji didn't have theirs or any of those, uh-huh. but I, you know, they were, they were present. I saw them all the time on TV. I saw them flying, you know, when we went to the city and, uh, so what did you think of them as a kid? Which the UFO? Yeah. I was fascinated because I had the Into the Unknown, that book, you know, that opened me up into, oh, it, you know, it talked about UFOs. They showed some of those type of things. It wasn't identical to the one that was in a book or anything, but um, it, it was, it was definitely a part of the awakening. And then seeing this thing coming over my house and I ran from my front window to the back window and it disappeared. And I mean, the thing wasn't small. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the size of at least a, two football fields you know it was it was big and it wasn't super high up either and it didn't look like a blimp and it, and it was not an airplane because we were over the flight paths to go into you know either kennedy or LaGuardia or airport and and stuff like that so it was not an airplane it didn't have wings on it mm-hmm. and it didn't have a little gondola underneath or you know the little booth yeah. and 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 i i just was fascinated by it and but I didn't really talk much about it because no one else saw it. You know, you open your mouth and then you get ridiculed. Yeah. So you just store it away until 
those what is it ce5 yeah the, the, the yeah <laughs> meetup groups yeah. yeah the meetup group and uh but then i had that uh, when i was an adult you know i was 20 about probably close to 25 years old when the group of us went partying and i no longer drank at that point um and we stopped on the side of the road coming out of a college town upstate new york you know very dark at night you know there's no street lights except in the the town area and we stopped on the side of the road to go to the bathroom and we all had assigned seats <laughs> more or less because we fought over them and I was one of the smallest ones so I never won <laughs> so I sat in the hump in the middle in the back um we we all got out did business got back in the car and that was all we remembered and all of a sudden we found ourselves back at my family's property Car not parked where we normally park. Uh-huh. And everybody was in different locations in the car. And the person who doesn't have a driver's license was behind the wheel of the car, <laughs> <laughs> which would never happen because he was like, I ain't driving, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and uh, and I, I made a joke. Uh, I said, yeah, check your knees. It might have an implant because that, at that time, that's what was big that they were talking about. They were being implants. What year do you think knees. this was? This probably was probably around 1985 hmm. you know um 84 yeah some right around that area so i guess there i have a lot of questions to get into this more so how much time do you think elapsed do you have any way of knowing it was minimum of two hours missing hmm. it was a 45 minute drive we were only literally three minutes outside the 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 college town and we literally went out of it over a bridge and stopped, you know. And so everyone had two hours missing. All of us, yeah. And they were freaking out. I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was making jokes and stuff, and and they none of them will talk about it. I'm the only one who would talk about it. No one will talk about it. They shut up. You know, I don't want to hear it. That that freaked them out big. Mm-hmm. But did you explain to them at some point that you think this is not entirely uncommon, that this is? Well, I mean, it wasn't super common really back then. Um, I guess you wouldn't have any reference without the Internet to really know. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no Internet. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you'd find like writings in like that book, the Time Life book, which what comes out. That was the only one they did. And, you know, so and that came out in the 70s. So. No, there was no way to really get that unless you looked up a, one of those magazines. Mm-hmm. And and I wasn't, you know, reading those. I was reading martial arts magazines and stuff like that. And you have you ever had any hypnosis to try to check what that was? I No, I've never had hypnosis for that. Mm-hmm. No, only once when I was on a radio show in New York with the, the psychic, I had hypnosis where they regressed how we knew each other in other, another lifetime. Oh, neat. And that was... You know, when we were like, we were six or seven years old in a workhouse in England and we both kind of hid out on a little, one of those little balconies, you know, it's, you, they still have them where you can open up the window, but you can't go out. Hmm. But we squeezed out there as little kids and froze to death. Wow. And uh, that was, yeah. Traumatic death. I, well, I suppose, I guess it was, I didn't feel that it was, you know, from this perspective, um, I just was like seeing it as an observer. Uh-huh. So I didn't have any emotional attachment to it. Um, 
I'm pretty good at that, you know, being an observer and not allowing myself to get drawn into something that could be really traumatic. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe we should see if there's more, more to wrap up with, with the, with this missing time story. Um, so you're, you're all in different seats and I assume you all had your clothes on the same way and all that. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, never even thought about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing it back in my head now oh. and never thought about that. I just, you know, went like this with my leg, you know, pulled it up and checked to see checked if there's any, implants. any implants. Uh -huh. Um, and, but never thought about it. And I don't think so though. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess those ETs got it right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't wearing my yeah. friend Bob's underwear. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always so funny when we hear these kinds of stories that it seems like there's, I don't know if it's, if it's a comedic thing or if it's just, they don't care when they, when they get random things wrong like that. You know, the, um, some, some abduction stories you hear about clothes being misplaced or different and, right. um, yeah, it's, it's just bizarre how much goes on that we don't, it's just beyond our, our lens or our view of reality. You know, and that could also be, you know, on how often a person is abducted. Yeah. You know, um, usually if, if you're abducted, there's more than one, it's usually more than once. And, and you, you know, through probably your research that it sometimes goes on the whole family tree. Yeah. You know, they follow right. the, the, the genetic line down the road. And I, I haven't had, you know, no one has talked to me and my family about anything like that, but they're pretty straight laced. You know, I'm, I was always the odd one, the one who, you know, was into the unknown and they were more mainstream and you know, science says this or the government says that and they, and they believe it. And, and I was always like, what if, yeah. or really, I don't know. That doesn't feel right. But, uh, so yeah. I guess we could we could switch back into some spiritual sure. philosophy discussion here. So, what was it that um, sort of made you decide to move into uh, spiritual spirituality, sound healing, more more of as, as a line of as a line of work? Good question. Um, well, when I was a deputy sheriff, you know, I kept being told by spirit, you know. Um, now I've been doing, you know, psychic work and stuff like that since that incident, I was involved in it and I, I became a cop a lot later and everybody thought it was the other way around that. Uh -huh. How did you do this? I know I've been doing the other, uh -huh. and how did you go mainstream? And I said, well, it, it's something I always wanted to do. And I, I felt drawn to it. And when I was in, I guess my seventh year with the sheriff's office, I kept getting, it was in October and I kept getting, it's time to go. And I was like, no, I'm raising a single dad. You know, I got a mortgage, you know, I can't just up and leave and, and quit. And then a year later in October, the same thing, spirit time to go. And I said, no, I can't. I got to, you know, same, same story. Third year, it's time to go. <laughs> and I was like, no. And I, you, you know, and all that to spirit. And then they're like, you know, and then I felt uh, the my grandfather's energy because that's who I can attribute to because of the language, mm -hmm. and and he sits there and said, "If you don't go, you're going to get the size twelve boot up your ass." 
So, so, and I said, you know, spirit, screw you. I'm not doing it. You know, if you bring business, if you can bring a lot of business in that I can transition, you know, right away, then I'm going to do it. And, 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 and I got, that's not the deal that you made. Hmm. And then I ended up with a pretty bad spinal injury oh. and, uh, couldn't be a cop anymore. I had a, you know, a couple of surgeries and titanium and all that type of stuff. But after I had that injury, that's when the, the person quit the group with the didgeridoo. Oh, <laughs> and when I picked up the flute, it literally, it was, it was weeks after the incident wow. that I picked up the flute and taught myself how to play it and, um, you know, recorded. And that's how I ended up really going into music. And, wow. and then, you know, I did the didge first because I sponsored an Aboriginal by my friend who was the didge player who learned from the Aboriginal who came once a year for like six months in Denver. And I sponsored him, rented a church. And he did a, he was a music ambassador for Australia and he put on a whole concert presentation and everything else. And, um, I bought one of the digits from him and, and taught myself at, uh, my drum circles and, and, you know, expanded from there. And when my friend dropped out because of, you know, his own health, um, I started doing it by myself and, so I'm a little curious, is there, was there any kind of teaching around how natives use the didgeridoo? Um, <clears throat> not really. Um, now, the didgeridoo was primarily a man's instrument, as was the Native American flute. The Native American flute was, was meant for courting. You know, you want to get your girl, you know, you played, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was a courting instrument. It was only in this 20th century, you know, not that many years ago that women were allowed, you know, or just started saying, I'm playing the flute. Uh, the didgeridoo was primarily men. Now everybody plays the didge. I don't know about in Australia, though, but it was used for entertainment. It was also used for ceremony. Mm -hmm. And and it's saying today, I've, I mean, I've played my didge with, with rock bands before. Mm -hmm. And wow. yeah. Uh, so, um, it can be very versatile and, and I'm, I'm only an okay player, but I have some friends that, oh man, can they play and, and do amazing things, but no matter what, how you play it, it, it's, there's this vibration and this connection with the earth, but it's both an earth and an air instrument. And it, and when I first played it, when the first noise came out, which was a fart noise, it was very <laughs> embarrassing, you know? <laughs> um, but I, a rush of energy from the earth came up through me. My, I mean, hair standing up the, 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 you know, goosebumps and everything. And that's when I said, I got to buy this. I'm going to, you know, I need one. And so then I taught myself how to play it at the drum circles. And that's, and how I started drums was kind of the same way. First time I hit it with a group, a rush of energy came up through me. And, and I picked it up quick. I picked up all of them very quickly. Mm -hmm. Whether it be past life or whatever, I don't know. But it was one of those things that, that's how I kind of do things, I guess. When I get this, something through my body, it's like, I, this is something that I'm meant to do. Mm -hmm. I guess we could talk a little bit more about the, the nature of the, 
the sound healing and you know how how is that so powerful what, what is going on with the, with the sound and as interacting with a person's energy body do you think oh most most definitely yeah um like all all my instruments generally have vib- put out a vibration and then the ones that don't put out a, a long one like i have a bunch of my instruments over here and i can pick up one or two of them you know um have a a, a, a tone which somehow seems to um excite the atoms in the body right and that helps with the physical release of stuff but it also resonates with the spirit it, it literally just starts to um how would i say shake loose the the shackles where we're able to experience sometimes release of the traumas or to bring joy back in where we've had it stuffed down because we didn't feel worthy enough, whatever. Um, but vibration and sound is one of the most important things. I mean, we use it in science. We use it in hospitals, the MRIs, magnetic resonance imaging, resonance. You know, it's the resonance of the different sounds and the qualities of them that make a difference. And how many songs that you've listened to that just, remind you of something and you and you can all of a sudden you feel uplifted or you can feel very sad where you're able to remind somebody who's left us or you know what i mean yeah. where you're able to let more of that grief out or or i mean that's the whole point of of it it's so that we can feel and when we can feel we can release right we can open up and, and allow something to come into our lives and i think that's probably why music has come into mine so much um I couldn't use my voice. I mean, my, my best singing voice was literally when the doctor opened the mouth and said, say, ah, uh-huh. <laughs> that, that was my low, my high and my middle. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was it. But now because of the shrewdy box and, and other things, I was able to start to add my voice into it too. But I, I could feel it in my heart. Like when we did the CE5, that last, that closing day, remember when I, I brought the shrewdy box out right. and had everybody toning? Yeah. And I mean, two, what, but about 200 people there at least in that closing ceremony. Yeah. It sounded great. Yeah. And I've done groups, you know, where, you know, cause I had them feel it. I said, put your hand on your heart and to, and to tone and try to match the sound of the shruti box and, and, and the voice. And, and I mean, I thought it was magnificent and that doesn't happen when you have groups like that. It's usually pretty, but it was like amazing, right? Because they could feel it. Yeah. It takes you to another place. Yeah. It was great being out with the, around the trees there too. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Nature. Yeah. 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 It feels like there's some kind of uh, connection that the tree's consciousness is sort of harmonizing or reinforcing the, the healing, the healing energies. And it seems like they, they have some awareness of people around them. Oh, I I definitely, most definitely. Um, Like, you know, they're known as the standing people. Mm Mm-hmm. The roots go down and grab onto the earth, right? Um, and to the rocks and everything else to anchor them. The rocks and rock formations are known as the record keepers. Mm. So everything that's ever transpired on this earth is recorded in the rocks and the trees are grabbing down and holding on to this. They were able to tap into that and make it more accessible for us because their vibrational energy is closer to ours than the rocks are. You have to really slow yourself down to get the wisdom from the rocks, deep meditation. Huh. That's why the, the yogis and the monks 
who write these phenomenal esoteric works. And some of them have been in a monastery since they were three years old and have had no outside experience, but are writing these magnificent works and inspirational and, and so very deep. Where does it come from? What do they go? They go sit on a mountaintop, right? They're sitting, their temples are made out of like, you know, they're stone. Yeah. And, and they're able to tap into the wisdom of, of what has transpired throughout the history of this planet. That's the way I look at it. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I know crystals are certainly easier to tap into, I guess, than a regular stone. Maybe yeah. it's uh, no less wisdom in those, the rocks that are not crystallized yet. But Yeah, and well, you think of it, we're, we're all made up of the same stuff. Yeah. You know, what do they say? We're all stardust. Yeah. The planets, you know, the pressure, everything coming together and forms the, you know, the quartz crystals, the diamonds, the whatever they are. But what, what, when they come into a certain forms and certain shapes, the crystals, they're able to project. They're, they're like uh, antennas and um, tr you know, receivers and transceivers. You know? yeah. They're able to transmit energies and you're able to tap in. Your quartz crystals are right in the computer. Yeah. They're the memory chips. Yeah. Right. Um, the old crystal radios. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're able to take the frequencies that are there that we can use them. And our, our bodies are electrical, right? Mm -hmm. We've got the nerve endings. We've got all that type of stuff. Um, I mean, how many times have you gone somewhere and you felt that you shouldn't, you know, go in there, something's off yeah. or wow, you, you know, this feels energetic. You know, you go in and it's real happy and, and you, you, match right in there it's in everything right so um i guess I, I could ask you more about all all the other healing modalities that you are familiar with or that you you use crystals are certainly one of the most mm -hmm. powerful ones i know um but it seems like sound and crystals kind of they go hand in hand in the vibrational nature of the healing yeah well i'll, I'll grab a couple of the instruments here Yeah, and that's a Koshi chime, but we're talking about crystals. Crystal bowl. Yeah. Quartz crystal. Now, this one is in uh, C sharp, I think. I'll tell you in a minute. Yes, C sharp. And, you know, and that the C's are the earth energy. That's the grounding energy. All right. Um, when you want to tap in and go, you know, connect with the earth, it, it can help clear your mind so that you can actually concentrate um, on one or two things as opposed to 6,000 things that, you know, when you're, especially when you're overwhelmed. But the different frequencies of this can bring you to other places. And a lot of it's still also intention-based. Now, we have the C-sharp there, and then I've got this. This is a Shruti box. Can you see that up there? Yeah, yep, we can see yep. that. And it's a pump thing when i play this it's usually you know put on your lap and you do it with your hand i usually have it on the floor and i play with my foot because i'm playing the didgeridoo and uh or doing crystal bowls or flutes and i can't use my hands you know i wouldn't be able to play the other instruments like you know this one here i'm going to switch it there's little knobs on the top that have the different keys and this is the And the people listening to this, and you just close your eyes. Mm -hmm. 
We should have done that at the start. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> right. But I mean, just just that. What did you feel? Just that you know, what? very very relaxing. It's like I'm clear now. Yeah, yeah. thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but the different sounds and the vibrations that come from that, and then when we add like a didgeridoo yeah. to that on top of it, it, it just brings these different frequencies and resonances that move throughout body that, um, like you said, <sighs> yeah. and, and that's why music came in. And, you know, and I always tell people, if I can do it, if I can play instruments, so can you. Cause I literally, I told you earlier, I, I couldn't play anything. I, I, I collected instruments and couldn't play any of them. I love them, but now all of a sudden I can play multiple instruments. So, um, yeah, it is very inspiring. I know people can do it on, on, on their own, but I guess I wanted to ask about, um, do you feel like when people listen to it through headphones that, that there's no chance they can ever get the same, that's the way I'm feeling right now, having just heard that, it's like a, that does not happen from headphones. You know, now do you, you have your headphones here. I do. Yeah. Put them on and tell me what you feel. Because now here's a test for the people who are watching this. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 headphones, if you're not able to do it live, headphones are the best. Not earbuds, but the headphones. I mean, you get some good earbuds too, but um, you don't get the full body resonance. Right. But your, your brain is getting this experience and it will transmit it to the other parts of your body. Yeah. Anyway, um, so... Do you recommend anything for people who wanted to get started in sound healing as a, as a path for either just themselves or for helping other people? Well, one of the, probably the biggest thing is if you have an interest in it and you want to do it, you're meant to do it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, you can go on like eBay and get some crystal bowls. They're all different ranges. And, you, you know, unfortunately, when you go to eBay, you're not sure if you're going to get a a thicker crystal ball or a thinner one. They, they both play, but one is more fragile than the other. Huh. Um, but they all work. Um, and you can look up for like the, the chakra sounds, which, which key, you know, is for which particular chakra and, and stuff like that. Is that usually universally agreed upon what people think? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, you know, I have disagreements with, that you have to do it with a certain tone. Mm -hmm. Because I was told um, years ago when someone came for uh, chakra balance with me that they had somebody who worked on them to balance their chakras, right? And then they used tuning forks and stuff like that um, with the person. And they said they've been feeling horrible. And I said, well, it, you can feel off for a couple of weeks if you get used to being out of balance. Coming back into balance feels wrong, <laughs> right? Especially if you've been in your energy system's been off for a long time. Well, what happened was with this person is it said, no, it's been three months and, and my life's been hell since that. So when I was working on this person, uh, my guides told me that that on a general rule, yes, what's written in the book is for the average person, but there are people that aren't in the average. Hmm. And she was a highly sensitive person. And, you know, I've had people where they told me that the some some people's heart chakra won't be in the, the key of F or 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 be the color that they prescribe it as because their life work is this other thing 
and which is would normally be say the second chakra hmm. is now vibrating as if it was the heart chakra and the heart chakra is vibrating as if it was the second and it's, well that's in the wrong spot so it's out of balance not necessarily for that person right and there's also colors attributed to these particular areas now spirit told me to to work with them with the white light as a because the white light carries all the color spectrum in it so what so if i use the white light whatever is needed for that area is going to get that area now it's the same thing with the the crystal bowls or any of the other things if you're being told to use something that would normally be, say, the heart chakra and you're, and you're being told to put it down in the second chakra or the first or the crown, you follow the direction because that person's mission here on earth might be different and needs the, that type of energy in these in their, like, if it's a crown, their connection with the divine force, yeah. right? And they, and they need that, that, say, the F or the F sharp energy up here so that they're, you know, they're doing it with more, more with that unconditional love energy. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I just say if your intention, if you only have a bowl that's a D and you're working on hard, oh, it's a D, that's the second chakra. No, your intention, right? Because the people will say, my intention is to work, use this sound to help my heart. Yeah. So intention is really super important too. It's a lot of times we get locked out by um, structures. That's saying that this is the way it has to be or should be instead of just trusting and saying, this is what I have. And so, Spirit, can you help me out and help allow this energy to help these people in this way? Yeah. It's, you know, it's collaborating with energy. Yeah. It's not forcing it to be one thing or another. Yeah. It's interesting. If you think about music in general, it's like you can have, um, there's obviously seven notes in the octave you get to the eighth it's the next octave right but there's all these different keys that you could be in you can keep mm -hmm. going up a half tone to get to the next key and it still sounds great some keys seem to have more of a mystical quality than others maybe um but it, it doesn't seem like people are all the same that they would necessarily be on the same right musical exactly keys, you know? exactly and like when when i was playing the shruti box you know this guy i had f sharp and c sharp mm -hmm. all right the bowl was C sharp, but I had two different keys on here, but they're complementary keys. They, they, you know, they sound good together. Mm -hmm. And, and I do that the same thing when I go with the, um, one of the other favorite ones I have is both uh, DNA and I just would look around. I'm going to work on your DNA, <laughs> you know, um, and that didn't even sound bad with the F sharp sticking in there. Right. And then, when I play certain flutes, I like the D and G. And it's all about finding which ones resonate with you. And sometimes having dissonant sounds is extremely important when you're doing sound work. Because our life isn't always, you know, butterflies and rainbows, right. you know. Um, and sometimes having a dissonant sound and vibration going through you breaks free that stuff that's hidden. And, you know, like when we did the, the sound with uh, Jim and Roxanne up in, you know, the yurt up at Sacred Hoop, you know, he would sometimes have the sound and, you know, he'd play two bowls like C and C sharp, create a binaural beat. They don't play together well. They go, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and, and it's dissonant. The sound waves are bouncing. That creates the binaural beat is the dissonance, the sound waves bouncing off each other. And, but they have positive effects because what do we got we got these things where we do binaural beats in the background 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's two tones that are not complementary, but they do have an effect that is complementary on, on our systems. Yeah. Because it helps us free us up from those uh, blocks and, you know, traumas and stuff like that. Allow them to. Yeah. It's almost like the, the energy field is kind of like a wall that people have. It has to kind of break down somewhat to get get through to the heart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's why sometimes when I'm doing my stuff, I start hitting dissonant things in there. And I, some people I see them going, oh, and others are like, uh-huh. like, oh, this is fine. It uh-huh. sounds, it's different. It, it, it's just different. <laughs> and other people, you, you see them getting upset. Huh. And that's why they tell you to breathe. <laughs> When something is dissonant and it's really upsetting you, if you're at a sound healing, that means you're doing work. That means something's coming up and ready to release. So breathe. Like, you know, Lamaz, they do that, uh, the Kegel breathing, whatever they call it. I can't remember what it is. It's been too many years. Um, but there's a breathing to, to, to give birth. So it's, it's the same breath that you use for that because you're giving birth. You're releasing. You know, when you're giving birth, they're releasing the, the new growth, the new body. A new baby out of the system and that's why that breathing technique is so important and goes complementary with a lot of the work that we do yeah yeah breath is this amazing mystery to me still too yeah yeah it seems like there's a, a lot of connection to the metaphysical energies when we put that intention into it mm-hmm. it's like it's a subconscious thing mostly and maybe maybe we're subconsciously not tuning into the energy around us when we're not consciously breathing. But yeah, that's, that's an area. A lot of people have talked about, you know, really intense breathing exercises being very valuable. I've never developed a practice around a very strenuous breathing exercise to try to shift my consciousness. Um, yeah. Has you ever gotten into that? Um, I've had some experiences where I did a um, breath work workshop one time and they did a, a lot of that it was almost like hyperventilating yeah. the, the the word and they had music you know they kind of had uh oh uh trance music and or um what rave type so, you know what i mean it was it was it was fun but uh you know all of a sudden you're like hyperventilating and all of a sudden all of a sudden you feel a release between the sounds and the breathing it was it was an amazing experience i, I tend to work mostly with the And I go into like the ethers, um, but I do find it valuable to learn all the different types of breath, especially, you know, they're, they're for certain things like in yoga, they have certain breathing techniques for certain, you know, positioning, positioning, and because that opens up the different pathways, energetic pathways within the body. Yeah. So breath work is really important. What do you do? Like when you say, come on, take a breath, <laughs> take a breath. We say it automatically. Yeah. And it's like, we know without knowing yeah. if you know you know calm down take a deep breath slow down yeah and and isn't that what the meditation is yeah definitely so and that that's just your our subconscious or our spiritual self always being present within us we don't even realize it half the time yeah yeah it's like everyone kind of has this intense life movie playing out every day constant drama constant stress and it's like you don't give yourself a chance to catch up with the, the you know, the processing of it. And so I, 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 I believe that a daily meditation is almost essential in this kind of 
society where mm-hmm. everything's hitting us so fast and so intense. Um, and if I've, I've seen a lot of breakthroughs when I do get into a, a consistent meditation practice, but it's still like life is always fighting against me to get get back on a steady practice. Well, you know, the thing is, is that a lot of times we're we're told or taught or we think that we have to do it for a long period of time, like a minimum for 20 minutes. No, if you get in your car in the morning, right, and it takes 15 minutes to get to work, right, and you're leaving 20 minutes early, you know what I mean? So yeah. you have five minutes. Take one of those minutes when you sit in your car, literally, and just close your eyes and I call down a divine light, white light to surround myself and cleanse. I always say it cleanses and purifies each breath I take in and bringing that divine light into my body. And I'll just sit there and I'll go. And I'll just pause a minute and I'll take a deep breath, hold it. And I feel all of a sudden like a slowdown. Yeah. And you don't. Even if you only did a minute or 30 seconds, you will start having a difference in your life. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. It's just a, a moment reset. Um, and, and, you know, and, and sometimes having intention. As I deep, take a deep breath and I slow down, I ground myself to the earth. Right? Because the grounding we took just a little bit on that is takes the chaos of life and puts it into manageable piles where it gives you the choices, which one is most important to do first you know, what you need to hit. Yeah. And if you just take that breath, it can make the difference between, you know, getting angry and, you know, lashing out and throwing stuff around, which still happens with human beings, you know, no matter how much we do, we can get frustrated, but you're able to catch yourself a lot easier. And you go, wait a minute, I'm really going off the deep end here. Wait a minute. And you you just settle down. And, um, can be just 30 seconds a minute if you don't have the time but but at the same time if you go what's really important will it you know and i and i I talk about this all the time if you can say will the world end if i don't do this now if you can answer no then that's not a top priority thing yeah do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can give yourself a break. You can take a bath and lay in there and just listen to music instead of saying, I got to take the trash out. I got laundry to do. Um, you know, yeah. I got to change the diaper right now. Will, will that kid having a half hour of a wet diaper, yeah. you know, get sick and lose their life and all, you know what I mean? We, we, we get these things that we think we have to do in that moment. And you're not, we're not giving the moment for ourselves to, to reset. Right. And I guess there's another problem that's very common people talk about is like, uh, my brain won't quiet down. What good is this? <clears throat> Sit still. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's all the more reason to keep working on it. Well, how, I mean, is you, does your mind shut down? It never completely shuts down I, until I'm sleeping. Right. Until you're sleeping. Yeah. But mine never does. You know, I, I I call myself a squirrel person. I'm distractible. I like that. <laughs> and I'll and I'll run over into that area, you know, or or if I have enough discipline, I'll say, I'm gonna check that out when I'm done with this. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. But my mind is never um a thousand thoughts a second. It's you know, I think I'd be diagnosed with ADD or one of those things, uh with my with how I am, but I can meditate. 
And I think people who have the monkey mind, um, a squirrel person, can be one of the ones that can actually have multiple, I'll say, existential experiences when they, my mind is thinking of, you know, getting the car washed, but I'm also walking in a, you know, a national park somewhere in my mind. And it's like, wait a minute, I can have these simultaneous thoughts and I can experience them all at the same time. Why fight it? You know, everybody says, you know, when you meditate, you need to be completely silent. Well, some of us can't go completely silent. It's just not in our structure. So you you use it. You know, um, I was taught when I first started meditating, the person said, if you can't concentrate just and, and thoughts keep popping in is just literally say, I accept this thought, I release it. And the first three months of meditating every day, my meditations weren't the meditation that I was trying to do. My meditation was, I accept this thought and I release it. That's what my mantra was. I accept this thought and release it. That's great. And after a while, I literally, the th- I, it was almost like a shield around me. And, and it was like, I heard like, dink, dink, dink. And these are all my thoughts trying to <laughs> penetrate. And I'm, you know, and they're almost distracting, but they're not at the same time because I was starting to, you know, laugh, giggle a little bit because I'm going, these are all my thoughts is like a, a shield. And the important ones that you need to address Make it through the shield. Yeah. And even though it's not what the meditation is, it's something important you to to look at in that moment. Yeah. And, you know, then all of a sudden I was able to just go. I, I'll say I'll, I went quiet, but my mind was still active with a with a thousand thoughts. But it was it was weird because I felt like. All these things were OK to happen yeah. and, I, and I no longer fought it. On, on some level, I wonder if like. Being well, first of all, not having to identify with our thoughts is one whole layer of the lesson sometimes. <clears throat> but then being accepting of ourselves for having the thought, it seems like that's part of the goal of the meditation, but it also seems like it's a requirement to go deeper. Just find that continuous acceptance. I accept this, I allow it. Yeah, well, it, it what, what, what if we fight something, there's resistance, yeah, right? And it's like if this is the way, what's happening all the time, if I flow with it like a keto, you know, redirecting and, and, and using it as, as a means to an end, there's no longer the struggle with it because there's no have to. And we're, and we're so often taught that we have to do it a certain way to have these certain results. Maybe for most people, that's the truth, but it's not for all people. Yeah, you know, it's just like we're talking about the frequencies and the resonance and all. It all it's all related, and if you have the monkey mind like I do, you have to you can't fight it because then you you get agitated and you're upset and you can't sit still and and if you can't sit still then don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> get up and just take a deep breath and say, yeah, I wish I could have meditated more today. Um, but if you accept the fact that you're not in that space, you're going to be more peaceful. Right. Looks like we've gone for about an hour now. Wow. So this has been a good conversation so far. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can go for yeah, well, 10, not, 15 I don't minutes. Have any, I don't have any time limit. Yeah. Um, so we talked a bit about the chakras corresponding to the, the, the different tones. Um, what are your views on how, how important is it for people to be aware of their chakra system and the blockages? Um. <clears throat> 
I, I really feel we should know our bodies and the energetic parts of our bodies because we got like the main chakras, but we also have minor chakras, mm. right? We have the meridians in the body that, you know, the acupuncture points and all those things. When we understand where, where, where they relate to our physical body um, and, you know, generally they'll have a whole list of things of what the first chakra is about and the second chakra is about and stuff like that. And when we understand that and we're going, well, you know, I'm feeling out of balance here, you know, or, you know, I'm really creative, but I, I haven't wanted to, to pick up my paintbrush. Well, that means your, your second chakra is out of whack at that point. There's something blocking. There's an emotional issue going on. Mm. Um, did someone, you know, make fun of your artwork and you, you, you know, and someone made the same tone of voice, right. Or made a comment, even though they might not have meant it, it triggered something within the person. So that's like, if, if you're a creative person and it's not happening, there, there's, there's an energetic block in that area. And if you put that tone on, and you try to match that tone. That's why the Shruti box, that actually taught me how to use my voice. Huh. I felt it. You know, when we did this and you were getting back into the sound, <laughs> but, but when I, when I'm, I'm going to go with the, the, the C sharp and F sharp um, again, because those ones we refer to as the earth and, and the, you know, the heart, the F sharps, like they consider the high heart. But when we get this, and if I'm feeling off with it in my heart, I'm having a hard time loving myself or other people, and I start to tone. I can feel a vibration in my heart area. And then it allows me to release whatever's in that spot. Now, the second chakra, which would be D, right? Um, and a lot of times I like mixing it with the G and, uh, but the second chakra, which is the creativity area, because that's where the sex organs, you know, connect up and everything. And, um, and that's creativity create, because that's where creative, we create the new life. And I'm like, want to work on a second chakra, I'll, I might put D on. Remember, this doesn't have to be with everybody. Yeah. You. feel the difference. I felt different from when I did the F sharp, C sharp energetically than when I did this. So when you have certain music that you play and you feel more loving and more peace and stuff like that, you're activating one of the chakras in there and helping bring it back into balance. Um, you know, if you have the scales, you just go, doom, doom, doom. which one's resonating in that moment? And the one that's feeling very dissonant, you know, what you, this one's feeling, oh, more than likely that particular energy point in your body needs some extra love, you know. And so you might want to put something on and breathe with it and say whatever it is that's blocking, whatever that's causing this discomfort, um, I, I ask for it to be released and, and to have a, my higher self or my subconscious to understand the lesson involved with it. You know, you use it as a tool. 
and you know knowing the body and knowing the energy points in it and you if you really listen to it you'll know which ones which keys work for you even if they don't line up with what the book says but it's really important to i i find to understand the energetic body with the colors the frequencies you know um, that are associated with it so another question i have for you is can people have like like spontaneous instant miraculous healing when they just get a little bit more in alignment like that oh yeah 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 and um i mean that's happened many times with people um i mean it, it it's it's happened with sound it's happened with like water you know lords you've heard of lords france yeah right and the lords water has you know they say miraculous properties ah. all right many you know people have had spontaneous healing with you know uh, you know being crippled their whole life and all of a sudden they're walking you know not like the charlatans and some of the the sideshows where they yes you are healed but that can also happen too and you know when you start to come in alignment or you finally ask for help because some people can't ask for help and when they finally go i've done everything i've tried everything physically i've tried all these things and they and they say they surrender energetically all of a sudden these things can happen yeah and you know i've seen people have that i suppose there's always a, a risk people can jump right back into their old vibration once they get out of out of that environment into a different environment but it's almost like you have to make the choice when you're in the altered consciousness to maintain that consciousness right oh uh, yeah yeah you know and and I like you saying it, it's a conscious choice, and and that's a whole topic in itself. Consciousness, yeah. You know what was that? Um, what I did with Jacob. What what, what did we do? What was that? Uh, the title of that? I think he had it written on there. Um, awakening. Awakening. Yeah. Awakening for me is about awakening the consciousness, being conscious. Yeah. Of of yourself your environment how you walk through it how you interact with it and everything and that's when awareness comes up all right yeah. um, when you awaken not using the word woke <laughs> uh, yeah. um you know it, it, it there i think they're two halves of the same coin you know awakening and consciousness yeah. awakening consciousness and you know I think it's vital for all of us. I mean, for the survival of, of humankind, where we're all working on, you know, our consciousness to connect more, to, to feel, to express um, instead of judging. Yeah. And that's when we become more awake to these things, our consciousness expands. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like becoming more, um, aware of our consciousness and a more of the potential of our consciousness to use it in a directed way mm -hmm. i guess that's that's the key yeah you know you have a choice you know i think in buddhism you know you know you choose to suffer <laughs> yeah all right you don't have to suffer we choose to um why we do that it has many different reasons but it's a choice and it's a choice that i could be mad at you in this moment right because you drank the last tea that i wanted <laughs> right yeah. um I, you know we have so many things that 
we allow a negative choice to come up. But if you catch yourself, and this is this is where the awareness and being more conscious comes in, when you go, wow, I could have handled that differently. You've just grown. Yeah. Right. Your consciousness just started elevating. Your vibration started rising at that moment. So when that same trigger comes off and again and you recognize it, it might take you longer to be triggered or you might not get triggered at all any longer because now you become you're conscious of that and you become more aware and awake and you have the choice now to say, I don't need to react this way any longer. And I I certainly wonder if the the cycles that we go through, it's, it's like as soon as we have that moment of forgiveness and acceptance, we just don't need that lesson to ever come back into our lives unless we have that unforgiveness or something comes back up to block it. Right. Or that you were there to show someone how to handle it. Right. Sometimes it comes up again because there's someone else there that wasn't there. In the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you're, you're showing them how to react to it because you were there at one time and they now they see there's another way they can handle it. Right. Because sometimes our lessons are, it happens again to us, not for us to experience the discomfort of it, but to teach someone how to move through it. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're kind of connected karmically on the same school. Yeah. Just kind of working together as class. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, everything we go through, if depending on our perspective and our awareness is a teacher, it's a lesson. They're not always pleasant lessons right but they if we learn from them you know we 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 elevate our vibration you know become more aware more conscious more loving more compassionate uh more forgiving but it's got to start with us first yeah we've got to recognize it for ourselves and and then we become it and then we become the example to the other people and it's always a process so what's the name of your business uh, the Inner Light Center of Colorado. Yeah. And what does Inner Light mean to you? Um, well, it's, I'll, I'll call it, Inner Light is kind of, for me, is like the soul, mm-hmm. right? It's the, the, the divine aspect of myself. And when, you know, I have the Inner Light Center because my goal is to literally, uh, you know, how would I say, tickle the inner light of somebody to bring it out. You know what I mean? To get it out of its shell. Um, so that they can blossom, that they can feel the connection with source um, and, and be that energy. Um, so I, what I do is I, I want to be able to ignite the inner light in the person, you know, because a lot of times we cover it up um, or we, we, we lock it in place with religion, right. the organized religion, where there's have-tos, where... You'd say these are just, how would you say, guides to get us to be more conscious. Yeah. And you can be very conscious within that framework. And 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 sometimes it can be too restrictive for some people. And like I've had plenty of people who were very born again who've come to my meditations and and had epiphanies within themselves, you know, and they were fighting it in many ways because they were taught that it was evil or work of the devil and all this type of stuff. And I said, no, it's all of God. Everything is of that divine energy and, you know, find it within yourself. Right. All right. And, and all of a sudden they, they go, oh my, I had this experience. I said, what do you feel? 
do you feel love? Do you feel this? You know, and they're like, yeah, I feel so much love. And I said, how, how is that evil? How is that wrong? Did, did I, did I, did your faith change? No. And I said, it doesn't have to, you can be wherever, wherever you are and still find it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. I mean, the, there's been so many different variations of Christianity too. I mean, we had <laughs> the Gregorian chants I know were so amazing for people to use that as a form of sound healing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like a lot of the Gregorian chants and, um, I mean, I used to listen to them oh, 20 years ago or whatever, a lot. And I, I, I felt it uplifted and elevated certain smells. Like I have this one candle it only has like this much in it and I have not lit it in like 10 years cause I can't find it anymore. Uh -huh. And it smells just like I was raised Catholic when they do the high mass and at Christmas time and, and they have the monsters, you know, and they're, they're going like, you know, this with the, with the incense. Yeah. And and that incense always took me into that elevated state of consciousness. Yeah. And, you know, without even music when I smelt it. And then when they had the music with it and the singing uh, with the Gregorian chant or just some of the regular hymns, oh, I was in the ethers. I was gone. Yeah. And just that little candle, I'll find it and I'll sniff it. And and right then and there, I could just go and sort of go, and, yeah. and then my day can be 100% better. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, I, yeah, some people have you know, hang-ups about the idea of rituals like that, and I don't understand it. It's like, I think you go deeper and deeper if you develop a habit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the problem is, is the wording. Yeah. You know, some people ritual, they think it's something that could be evil or, or very locked in. And um, I'm a ritual person. I take the long way when I do things as opposed to the shortcuts. Like when I do self-protection, I have a whole ritual that I do, and you know, calling down light, connecting with earth, doing this, you know, energy. And, and I told, taught people who've come to me for readings, they're shortcut people. And I said, do you know the, the superheroes, you know, the, 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 you know, the flame on? I said, just say flame on and picture this flame coming out that purifies and, and keeps away, you know, anything yeah. that's negative. And. And I'm like, I like that. And they do like, and you know, they go and they, they'll see me like five years later and go flame on, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. And they're still doing it. And it, it, it it's individual. Yeah. I like ritual. You know, I, that's why, you know, the church, you know, when I was going to the mass, you know, and, and certain things, uh, you know, can really resonate very deeply with me. And I've, I've had friends who were into witchcraft and they did ritual and that ritual still very touched, touched me deeply and not, not the, black magic, you know, like white Wiccan and, and stuff like that. Uh, or I, I, I could really say more pagan ritual. Uh, they felt very, I felt beauty in that also. Yeah. But I'm a ritual person. Yeah. And, you know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess to some degree we could talk about that. Uh, like how much does your intention for doing the ritual uh, determine what you're getting out of it? Intention is, is key. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, that's okay. I, I, my intention is just to, you know, define inner peace. That's pretty broad, right? My intention is to look within myself and whatever comes up, I'm going to work on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it, it, I think it's, it's very important. Um, it's like my intention for this ritual today or this meditation is about love, 
right? I picture golden light as unconditional love. So I'll sit there and I'll start my ritual and call down my guides and, you know, protection and whatever. And I'm in my sacred space. And, and then I'll just sit there and I'll surround myself with the golden light and picture and breathing it in and seeing my whole, all my cells igniting in golden light and my, my, you know, the solar plexus area and everything else. And, and, and I, I generally feel very at peace and, 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 and generally very happy at that point. And, and then I was like, and I go outside and you're, you're really nice today. You're really loving today. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's because I, I did my ritual. Yeah. You know, and I did ritual when I was a cop. Um, every, every time I got in my car, getting ready for work, I'm in my uniform and I say, you know, spirit, God, you know, universe. I said, allow me to work this day in peace, light, love, compassion, truth, integrity, and forgiveness. All right. And thankfulness. And and I would start my day with that. And if I was very tired and irritable and I say, allow me to work this day with that same thing. And and today I'm going to treat this day with humor. Mm. I'm not going to allow anger. I'm not going to write up, you know, write anything. I'm not going to do anything that is of a, of a lower vibration or, or. And and all of a sudden the day was a fantastic day. Everybody was happy. You know what I mean? The people, yeah. really? You know, and I said, yeah, you know, pay attention to what you're doing. You know, I'd give them some advice, spiritual advice in a sense for their daily life. And, and it would work. It would work. And so intention is really important. And, my, and the ritual for that intention can be very powerful. Yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like if all the police had to take like spiritual training. <laughs> Well, I was I was actually trying to um, with a group that I you know a, a team we were trying to start a business, and it was about being more conscious and and being heart based using heart coherence, and um, and we we had a program set up and I went down to uh, the fire department and the PD and, and the sheriff's office and I thought I could get in to do it because in the sheriff's office in the jail we had thinking for a change which I was one of the teachers of. Um, which, you know, make better choices and, and stuff like that, but giving you also the tools for it. And this was, you know, a tool to come into heart coherence that we I wanted to bring in there, but it was very res resisted because it's not mainstream. But there's a lot of scientific evidence of it, but it's not completely accepted. Yeah. And But a big difference um, when you start working on working on heart coherence. And one of the simple methods is, is to literally picture a time in your life that you were feeling loved and supported or you had such a great time. And you close your eyes. And, and the, the Russians started this in the Olympics in the 1960s where they had their, um, the athletes in, you know, they might have done hypnosis first, whatever, but they were their best performance. And they would relive their best performance. And they had them all hooked up with the wires. And the muscles were reacting. Well, the electric was reacting as if they were doing it live. And they were just sitting there like this. Mm -hmm. So what they were doing was creating a muscle memory. So when they beforehand, and you see it with the skiers, especially beforehand, like Peekaboo Street, when you know, back then, she was going like this. Her eyes are closed and she's going. And she's standing there. She's up next. She's doing that run. That was her best run and getting her muscle memory coming up. 
So what we do is we are we can reactivate that imprint of that moment into another situation. So you're able to handle this, the high stress thing because you put yourself from, you know, what is it? A flight, fight or flight into coherence, right? Where you're able to take care of it without going, you know, too far in one direction or the other. Yeah. It's like we're a catalog of all these different emotional configurations. Just kind of, up the right yeah right ones. yeah and, and and you can do that like if you're nervous you know like doing shows you're not you know you've been out in the public for a long time but when you first started it was like yeah. but but you found your zone right so unconsciously you you get into that space right but you had to find it now if you look back and when you first began what what what, what ritual did you do <laughs> that you know what i mean you probably do something that yeah. may get your body and your mind into that sink. Yeah. Into the rhythm. Definitely. And, and we all have it. Yeah. It's just bringing it up. So, um, I, I love the inner light concept. Definitely. That's, I mean, I, I feel like there's, it, it's, it's a word that, that means a lot more than people take when when we meditate and there's an awareness of something deeper inside of us and that's that's like a light that we can continue to strengthen and pull from that it's so hard to put words on but i love that idea that there's there's a light that needs to be activated we just have to find it and maybe that's what the chakras are too they're all yeah. individual lights there's seven different lights that need to be lit up yeah well um look at some of the scans that they do you know they'll they'll use different type of camera you know three frequencies that come up like when you do the brain scans that have red and orange and yellow they're lights yeah <laughs> they're picking up frequencies you know there's you know more energy going in one area and it, it lights it up and it becomes a brighter type of thing so there isn't a light throughout all of us yeah and uh you know but the inner light is is not just that physical manifestation it's 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 how would you say reigniting the god spark within it with each within each one of us right right and allowing it to to shine through the paper bag of our body <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah that, that. so now we're now we're at hour and 20 minutes i guess we could wrap up pretty soon but maybe i want to ask is there anything we didn't cover yet about your your personal journey was there anything that that you felt was uh, life changing that woke you up to the larger reality than anything you haven't mentioned yet. Hmm. Let's see. You know, I've had a, a very, how would you say, varied um, life experiences i've done so many different things um you know i've I've traveled you know quite a few different places to like religious sites and spiritual sites and stuff like that and um you know like seeing one particular thing you know i think everywhere what i've done has always taught me something and brought me to another level like i i mean i when i was doing some construction work and and learning how to you know, frame a house and everything and, and what energy, I mean, I, the martial arts, I would say was probably one of the biggest things that really, you know, woke me up um, because I was able to 
combine the spiritual and, and the physical movements and, and breaking it down in, you know, biomechanically into other things and feeling flows of energy when I moved a certain way um, and, 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 you know, and leverage points and um, all those things really woke me up because I became more sensitive to the, the actually the third dimensional physical realm. And then because I was always spiritual, I was able to start to, to com combine the two of those things together into ways of moving and doing things and posture, you know, makes a big difference. Yeah. If I'm like this, you know, and I'm, I'm hi, Mike, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you wouldn't have much confidence in me. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have much confidence, you know? So just the structure and how we handle ourselves can make the biggest difference. And I think the martial arts taught me, that how I position myself physically is also important as how I position myself emotionally and spiritually. And, and, you know, it comes into this frame, you know, that's why they say the body's the temple. Mm -hmm. And so I think martial arts was probably the biggest thing. And, you know, I studied, uh, you know, jujitsu, not Brazilian jujitsu. I wrestled because, it wasn't here. I wrestled so I could learn if I ended up on the ground. Um, but the martial arts taught me focus. It taught me balance. Um, it, it taught me restraint. Um, my teacher said, I can teach you all the techniques out there. But it, he goes, I'm not responsible on how you use it. When I teach you the technique, it's up to you to use it and to use it correctly. This body, you know, was given to me and all the less I have to use it correctly, right? And and because I have uh, you know the mouth that can project words, I have to use it correctly. Do I always? No. <laughs> I'm a human being. You know, I mess up as as much as anybody else, you know. But I I'm you know, I can catch myself generally a lot quicker than a lot of other people because I realize consciously, oh shoot, look what I'm doing here. You know something? I'm sorry. You know, I, I wasn't thinking and I just kind of reacted and, you know, and, and I'll honor what I did. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and and say, I, I've done something that upset you because of I was being unconscious in the moment. Please forgive me. And, you know, it wasn't intentional. And this is, you know, where I was thinking. And I might give an explanation where they go, oh, I can understand that. Right. And, and then you don't do it again. And that came from martial arts. That helped a lot. Yeah. So I'd say martial arts, you know, I did it for 30 something years. Wow. You know, maybe if, if I didn't have an injury, it would have been a lot longer, <laughs> but I still do it in my mind. It's still a valuable thing to learn. It doesn't matter what style you're in. If you sit there and you, you incorporate it in, you know, the lessons, you know, we had a, I had great teachers who did a lot of philosophical talk. Sometimes the whole class, it was no physical. It was all, you know, mental. And I wouldn't say spiritual, but it had, because they weren't really spiritual people outwardly, but the spiritual lessons were involved in it because it was a way to live and a way to move and a way to do things. Um, so I'd say martial arts was probably one of my biggest teachers. And not everybody's had that. 
Yeah. But it could be, you know, if you played soccer. I mean, did you play any sports growing up at all? A little bit, baseball, football. Baseball, football. Now, if you sat there and you looked at the mechanics of what you learned, right, and and you and 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 really look at them, what else? If I reapply that movement or that, yeah, philosophy to the situation, you'd be, you'd go holy crap. Yeah, I uh, you know I, I I've noticed that with like intuition. I think that. I didn't see it as intuition at the time, but it's like the only way that you can become really good at certain things like with baseball, knowing where to, where to, how to swing the bat or golf, for example, you know, it's, there's so much intuition with knowing how to make your body do the exact right thing to get the ball the exact right distance with golf. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I used to be there cause I, I, I was going to go pro when I was in my twenties. Huh. I can't, you know, cause of this, you know, my back and I had injuries and that knocked me out of that. But, um, I worked at it, but I felt it, but it was my martial arts that I incorporated right. with a lot of the movements in there that for my size, what I used to be able to do was, was absolutely phenomenal. But it, it each one of those things have so many life lessons in it, yeah. you know, and that's why like the people who are watching this, what are the things that you've done? What do you love to do? And if you sit quiet and you go into that space and you say, what can I take from these lessons? Like the women who've taken ballet or the male men who've taken ballet, what did you learn? Right? When you learned certain positions, you learned balance. Now, how can you apply that balance? You, you know, and how did you get that balance? How can you reapply it to what's going on in your life right now? You're going to amaze yourselves out there. You know, it, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, like you might have these aha moments popping out, like, I never really thought that was, you know, good. I never thought that would be something that could carry me throughout the rest of my life. You know, it, it, it can. Yeah. If you just look at the different point of view on it, different perspective of it, what you've gone through. So I guess we could we could wrap up now. And I, I would like to ask, um, do you do remote healing, do remote readings with people? Yeah. 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 I have people, you know, all over the country in Canada too and stuff. I do readings. Um, how, how do people contact you for that? Um, they can go on my website, uh, theinnerlightweb.com. Um, you know, they can just go, you know, actually Google my name, John Thunderheart Robinson. It's going to pop right up with the website and everything else. Um, yeah. And I, I do it, uh, you know, by phone I can do like, I don't really use Skype anymore, but like on, uh, Facebook, you got the messenger with the video. So, and, and then we can always zoom it or something and, you know, yeah. uh, and I can do readings that way you can actually see, I use cards now for the last 10 or 15 years after I had my spinal injury, the medium shift shifted the way it came through huh. and they, well, all of a sudden they like, we can use cards with you also. I get the information, but it, I can use visuals and explain things, um, sometimes in a better way that you can understand. That's great. Yeah. And, uh, and I do remote healing too. Um, uh, I've trained in multiple modalities, but I go by what spirit tells me to do for each person. It's not the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't just do cookie cutter. Here it is. Boom, boom, boom. I talk to you first. I get that information. Um, and I just, whatever's guidance I get, I do, you know, even online, I can use the sounds if I'm going to use sounds, uh, uh, I can picture you laying on my table 
and work on you at the same time. And it works. There's no, you know, in the spirit world, there's no time or space. Right. You know, we're quantum beings, all of us. So it doesn't matter if you're all the way on the other side of the world. It's still going to get to you. Yeah. There's, you don't have to worry about the physical. And certainly if people live in Colorado, they can come see John do a lot of events every month. Yeah. Um, I've got those on meetup.com under the Universal Metaphysics Group. Mm -hmm. And I assume it's on your website or somewhere else too, right? Yeah, it's on my website. And it's also uh, just on my regular Facebook. You know, I put it on Facebook. Um, I, I put it on the regular page. You know, I have a one for the Inner Light Center that's attached to my John Thunderheart Robinson on Facebook. And it's, it's uh, and also the John Thunderheart Hour, which... I'll be, you know, starting a show with Mike's Ascension TV and please support him and, and also Jacob Cox with the uh, Mystery School. Yep. Uh, all great content and mind expanding and soul growing uh, shows. Yep. And, you know, so I look forward to having a lot more content from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because. You know, this is my first time back. You know, like I told you earlier, I had a radio show in the Springs here for a few years until, you know, the uh, station went under. Um, and it was enjoyable. I have a lot of guests coming on. I will also do some sacred sound. We have to figure out how to get the sound uh, that will translate for you folks who can put it on your speaker systems or whatever so you can get the full effect of it. Um, that, that's something we should play with sometime. Yeah. It'll be almost the full effect. You can never get the full effect. Well, right. Yeah. You know, you get a good subwoofer and then yeah. stuff. You get the, the the room shaking, you know, yeah. surround sound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we can figure that out. Uh, I'm not a tech person. But you do pretty good with your, your audio equipment here. I like it. Yeah. yeah this, was, this was John's audio setup that we got going tonight. So I... Yeah. Yeah. We're in my meditation space right now. I have a section over to my right, your left. Um where I have my flutes. I've got over 20 something flutes over there and, you know, a bunch of crystal bowls, my Shruti box, chimes, you know, the little guy here, which we didn't show earlier, the Koshi. And uh, one of my favorite type things. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I do a lot of things and it's all intuitively based. Like it's not the same exact thing every time. Uh, the meditations themselves are also... Um, intuited 90% of the times, there are 10% of the times I have written tons of them. And I, I think I've only followed one all the way through completely as it was maybe once or twice <laughs> because, uh, environmental, cause we talked about energies. Um, sometimes when another person comes into the room, it sh shifts the energy and, you know, and it shifts what's coming in because this person needs something more than the other, something will be added or it will pulled away from what the original Thing that was coming through yeah. it's really interesting it's, it's actually fascinating when it comes that way yeah so well thank you for having me yeah you know this is great a, yeah i appreciate it so much and yeah thank so, you for all your work for humanity and for the community here in colorado springs and i hope if you haven't got a chance you're in colorado to come out and see one of john's events and experience the didgeridoo and the sound healing in person it's really a whole new kind of experience if you've never had that kind of experience so yeah or a reading yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. thank you.